You're listening to Bible Prophecy Daily, a weekday podcast where Bible prophecy matters and matters greatly. When this happens, every Christian on earth will wake up. Jesus warned us that all Christians are asleep right now before his return. All Christians, pastors, denomination presidents, prophets, missionaries, you and me, all of us. But he also said that something major would happen and everyone, every Christian on earth would wake up at the same time to the realization that Jesus is coming soon. What will that event be? What could wake up everyone all over the globe at the same time? War, economic collapse, or something else? This is Bible teacher Nelson Walters. That's what we're going to unpack today. What wakes up the church? If you are a Christian who is already sensitive to the fact that Jesus might return soon, you know the sleepiness of other Christians around you frustrates you. I know that. Because you tell me, churches aren't preaching about Jesus' return. Christians aren't soaking up last day's teachings. If you ask most Christians when Jesus is coming back, they'll say something like, well, we don't know, but maybe it's a hundred or even a thousand years. And then they kind of laugh as if you're a conspiracy theorist if you believe something else. Now, if they're correct, ignoring Jesus' return isn't a problem, but what if they're wrong? What if Jesus is coming back soon? What happens then? Jesus warned us about this very thing and explained exactly what happens to his followers in one of his most famous teachings, the parable of the ten virgins, which starts in Matthew 25, 1. Let's take a quick look at it because if you aren't sure everyone is currently asleep, you know, I mean, could even your pastor or your favorite Christian teacher be snoozing? Or maybe you aren't sure that a major wake-up event is coming. That's true. Well, why don't you know about it? So today we're going to tell you what Scripture says about this. That's why you follow this ministry, because traditional Christian scholarship says there isn't a wake-up call. But instead of just going along with the crowd, in this ministry, we very carefully examine the Scriptures on this and many other subjects, and discover important things that you need to know. Now, if that interests you, subscribe to our Nelson Walters channel so you can join this community and discover crucial, soul-saving understanding that you will likely not get elsewhere. Now, here's that teaching. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins. Jesus said, then. When is the then? He had just finished teaching on the end times in Matthew 24, so this is obviously the then he's speaking of. It's during the last days. And if you noticed, he added that all of the kingdom of heaven would be likened to these ten virgins. Now, who's the kingdom of heaven right now? It's everyone professing the name of Jesus. They're churchgoers, people who say they're Christians. Jesus continues in verse 1 and 2. Ten virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. 
That's Jesus, of course. So this confirms that these are churchgoers because they're the ones waiting for Jesus, expecting to see Jesus. And they're called virgins, which means they're trying to keep themselves pure. So these aren't just any churchgoers, but they're those who expect to go to heaven, who are looking for Jesus, and who are striving to not be unfaithful to God. They're trying to be pure. They're pretty good churchgoers in the world's eyes. Now in verse 3, however, Jesus drops the first of three bombs. Five of them were foolish and five of them were wise. Jesus is telling us that half of these pretty good churchgoers are making a very unwise decision. And only 50% of these best churchgoers are going to make the right decision before his return. This Greek word translated as wise means shrewd, sensible, prudent. It's the same word Jesus used for the man who builds his house upon the rock. It's the same word he uses to tell us to be shrewd as serpents. It's the same word he uses in the parable of the faithful and wise servant who feeds his master's household at the appointed time. Jesus used this word a lot. Matthew 7.24, however, really sums up this type of wisdom. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man. So wise to Jesus is knowing what he said and then applying it. Jesus contrasts the wise with the foolish man who hears what Jesus says but doesn't do it, doesn't put it into practice. So Jesus considers half of those attending our church right now to be foolish by this definition they're hearing his words in sermons and reading in quiet times, but they aren't doing it. They aren't practicing it. Now, let's keep digging into that parable to find out what that wake-up call is. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them, but the wise took flasks of oil with them. Matthew 25, 3 and 4. The picture here is that the wise took extra oil with them, just in case they needed it. To refill their lamps, they had an extra flask of oil. But the foolish didn't take those flasks. Eh, maybe they expected to only need their lamps for a short time. We, we don't know why they didn't take the extra oil. They didn't. It's a parable after all. Then in Matthew 25, 5, Jesus drops the second bomb on his apostles. As the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and slept. All of them slept. Not just the foolish, as we usually hear when we hear about this parable, but the wise as well. Everyone attending our churches is asleep in regard to the return of Jesus. Yes, even you and me. Jesus says it's because he's delayed his return by almost 2,000 years. Everyone has kind of, you know, forgotten that he's coming back. It isn't the most important thing on the minds of most churchgoers right now. But then the extraordinary happens. But at midnight, there was a cry. Here is the bridegroom. Come out to meet him. Then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. Matthew 25, 6 through 7. So at some point, everyone in the church is going to hear that cry. Wake up and realize Jesus is coming soon and then light their lamps. 
So if you are one of those Christians bemoaning the fact that the majority of the church is asleep, they won't be for long. A day is coming when all of us are going to wake up, wake up at the same time, and something is going to wake us up. What could be so dramatic as to wake up every churchgoer on earth, the entire kingdom of heaven? War? Maybe economic collapse? Well, maybe, but maybe not. But first, we need to answer a horrible misconception about this passage. The majority of the church believes that this cry is the same as the shout that accompanies Jesus as he descends from heaven to rapture the church, but that is absolutely wrong. It might seem so if you read this passage in English, but the two Greek words used in the two passages couldn't be further apart in meaning. The Greek word translated in Matthew 25 that we've been reading about, translated as cry, is kroge, which means a cry of anguish or tumult. It is the same word used when Jesus cried out on the cross. In Acts 23, 7-9, it's translated as uproar, as the Pharisees and Sadducees were arguing with each other and fighting. It could be thought of as a scream as opposed to a cry or a shout. Now, the Greek word kelyoma, used in 1 Thessalonians 4.16 when Jesus descends from heaven, in contrast is a loud, military-style command. And we know from John 5.25 that at Jesus' command, the dead in Christ rise from their graves. This, then, is likely the command in 1 Thessalonians 4. So, these two cries and Shouts are two very different words, meaning very different things. If you thought the midnight cry in the parable of the ten virgins was the return of Jesus, that is a tragic mistake. Because instead, what this means is sometime prior to the return of Jesus, the whole church will hear a scream, wake up and light their lamps. Since it's a cry of anguish, It isn't a positive event like the resurrection that wakes them up. If the majority of the church has been mistaken about the cry, they also have been mistaken about what these lamps are. Every artistic picture that I've ever seen of the ten virgins has them holding these tiny little oil lamps that you can hold in your hand. The Greek word for this type of handheld lamp is lampa, but again, this isn't the word Jesus chose. He called these lights lampas, which is a big, bright torch, the kind of torch Gideon and his 300 men used when they surprised the 132,000 Indianite soldiers. Now, you probably remember, if you know this story from your old flannel graph days, that they covered the torches with clay jars. And then at Gideon's signal, they broke the jars And the torches shone forth, same kind of torches Jesus is talking about. What do they mean? In Matthew 5, 16, Jesus said, Let your light so shine before men that they see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. It's that type of torch. It's our testimony to the world, showing them the love of Jesus and the gospel. And all ten virgins light their testimony torches when the scream goes out. They realize the bridegroom is coming soon. 
This is why all the virgins begin to testify, all of them, wise and foolish. So what kind of event could cause all churchgoers on the planet to realize that Jesus is coming back soon, soon enough that they're willing to testify to their neighbors like never before in their lives? A couple possibilities are some sort of war, maybe a nuclear war, maybe a religious event like the Jews sacrificing red heifer or building a third temple, or maybe the covenant with the many from Daniel 9.27, or maybe it's the abomination of desolation at the midpoint of the 70th week of Daniel, you know, the tribulation. It has to be an event prophesied in the Bible. Now, all of these are possible, aren't they? But we think one, one in particular, is more likely than the others. Let's look at them one at a time. War has been occurring for all but 200 years in the history of mankind. World wars have taken place as well. Why would a World War III be different than a World War II and suddenly cause every Christian to announce to their neighbors that Jesus is on his way? It didn't happen in World War II. It's possible, but unlikely. War, unfortunately, <laughs> just too common. What about sacrificing a red heifer or starting the twice daily sacrifices on the Temple Mount? Now, certainly, that would catch the attention of most biblically literate Christians. But how many of the two billion who call themselves Christians know about heifers or that sacrifices are supposed to resume on the Temple Mount or even that a third temple is a big deal? Now, even those who do know these things are a big deal wouldn't know how soon the return was. So that doesn't seem like it. What about economic collapse? Again, although that would affect everyone, would they tie it to the soon return of Jesus? Probably not because economies collapse every couple hundred years or so. What about the covenant with the many and the dividing of a land of Israel, the forming of a one world government? Well, if people recognize it, that would probably be a possible choice. But Jesus gave us a hint that points at something else when he said this cry or scream goes out at midnight. The term he used for midnight was actually middle of the night. So what happens in the middle, at the midpoint of the tribulation or 70th week of Daniel? The Antichrist forces invade Israel. The Antichrist is revealed, sits in the temple of God, and declares himself to be God. And the great tribulation begins. Things that have never happened in history. If that doesn't wake you up, you probably aren't really a Christian if you don't recognize that. So it isn't until that point that Jesus tells us the wise and foolish versions wake up and know that the end is close and begin to testify. You're probably saying, hey, Nelson, that is not what I want to hear. I want churches to wake up a lot sooner than that. Me too. Because for many, it's going to be too late. Look what happens. But the foolish virgins said to the prudent ones, give us some of your oil because our lamps are going out. Matthew 25, 8. Those who don't store up extra oil for this moment are going to have their testimony sputter out. As persecution rises, those without deep roots will fall away, as Jesus told us in the parable of the sower. And because they fall away, when Jesus returns, he's going to close the door of heaven on them. They likely will have taken the mark of the beast. All this happens suddenly. So what is this oil that some take extra of and others don't? 
It seems the key to overcoming that horrible time. Oil of anointing is a symbol in the Bible of the Holy Spirit. So putting this all together, the wise hear the word and put it into practice. They abide in the vine, walk by the Spirit, having him help them make daily decisions in their lives. The Holy Spirit becomes part of their daily life. The foolish, in contrast, hear the same word, but don't put it into practice. Instead, they walk by the flesh, making their daily decisions on their own without the help of the Spirit. And that may seem to work when times are easy, but when that temperature gets turned up, like in the parable of the sower, their tender plants of faith are going to burn up in the blazing sun of persecution. So getting ready for the last days is more than just knowing what is going to happen. It's practicing for that coming day of trouble right now. Thanks for listening to Bible Prophecy Daily. We hope you learned something valuable today. Be sure to subscribe wherever you heard this podcast so you never miss an episode.